0: If you're serious about your skin and your skincare, there are a few things you're going to need to know. Once you've worked out your skin type and how to patch test new products to check for any allergies, the next thing to do is to take a look at the list of ingredients on your skincare products. Confused? Let's break down the ingredients label for you. Welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee founder product manufacturer and podcaster and here on this podcast we are going into everything you need to know to perfect your skincare routine we have obviously got a big focus on k-beauty products here but that is definitely not all that we talk about on the show so you are in the right place if you want to take a deep dive into the world of korean skincare while picking up a whole lot of other tips and tricks to perfect your routine no matter which products that you're using this podcast is brought to you by Style Story, your go to for K Beauty. Shop the hottest trending products, ingredients, and brands online from a trusted source at StyleStory.com.au. We deliver aquarium beauty products all around the world and offer free shipping both within Australia and internationally. So check the free shipping thresholds for details. Welcome back to another week of the show. If you are here with me again, welcome. If you are new, then a great time to join us. It is currently November. So what we're going to do this year is do things a little bit differently from what we did last year. We're going to take the podcast up until about the middle of December, and then I'm going to take a break for the holidays this year, which I didn't do that last year, but this year I have an overseas trip Planned, So I'm going to be taking a little time off around the Christmas break. I hope that you guys will also be able to take a little break. So I thought it might be a good time to just put the pause on the episodes for a couple of weeks while we do that. So this is wrapping up. I'm not quite sure exactly how many shows we have left for this year. But I thought this week that we would take a deep dive into how to read basically an ingredients list and look at some of the tips and tricks to look out for because I know that this can be very confusing and this is an area where people get, I think, a little bit caught up, particularly if they've just picked up little snippets of things from the internet and maybe some influences and things like that. You know, you can get a little tricked uh, into exactly what you're looking at. So let's do that today. But first, to kick off for this week's news headlines. K-Beauty flagship company, LG Household and Healthcare, their stock prices have fallen to their lowest in a year and a half. And the reports are indicating that this is due to the slowing demand for cosmetic products in China. So the company is facing uncertainties for a couple of reasons, and one of them has been identified that no one really knows the future demand for cosmetics, particularly in China, but also how they're going to be affected by the Chinese government's regulation on luxury product consumption. So LG Household and Healthcare has a number of luxury K-beauty brands, including the history of Who of Who, which is sometimes just shortened to Who W-H-O-O, Oh and then also Sum 37. So a lot of these type of more Hanbang style products tend to be really popular in the Chinese market. So I think there are a few question marks over that. And this is unfortunately not an uncommon headline to see, particularly in the Korean media. Uh, You will often see various commentary and pieces about how Korean exports generally, not just K-beauty ones, are affected by what's happening in China. And that's because historically China and Korea have had, uh, I would say, a fragile diplomatic relationship for a number of different reasons. But Uh, k-pop k-drama k-beauty in particular have been in the headlines probably i would say for the last three four years because of how they've been affected by you know the regulation that the government has brought in um the chinese government at various times has tried to stop um you know, K-pop bands going over and promoting in China, uh, Korean dramas, they've tried to, you know, limit the amount of dramas that are bought in and marketed. So you will see this if you tune into any of the Korean headlines from time to time. So this is just another example of that. Uh, and obviously, the stock price has been affected by that. So this one, I guess, let's wait and see. So uh, it's at their, the lowest it has been for a year and a half uh, but again i think uh lg household and healthcare in particular their brands would really appeal a lot of their higher end brands particularly would appeal to the chinese market uh, the hanbang style of products is that kind where we're incorporating traditional korean or asian oriental uh, medicine techniques and ingredients into a cosmetic formula and a lot of their brands do do that uh so that that was an interesting one that hit the headlines this week. Now, a great question of the week that I received through Instagram, actually, was from one of our listeners. And she said, I have mature skin. I'm 45 years old. And if I had to choose one ample, which would be better? And the two that she was looking at were D'Alba's White Truffle Intensive Ample or April B's Glutathione Ample Serum. And so my next question to her was, well, how dry is your skin? Uh, because I think that would probably be the, the key difference in the two that you're looking at, the texture of them. And based on what her, her response was, I said that I would recommend the DiAlba. White Truffle Intensive Ampoule for her skin. Uh, And so this basically, it's a really, really beautiful product and particularly great for dry skin. It's not just for mature skin, but it just has this really deeply nourishing texture. Uh, It's an ample, basically that's designed to revive fatigued skin, it can help reduce the appearance of wrinkles, improve your skin's texture and it's just got a lot of really great ingredients for dull, uh, dark, patchy, that kind of skin that's also on the drier side. So just some of the ingredients that I love in this product include the white truffle extract, it's got inositol which helps protect the skin against moisture loss, it's then got panthenol which is a great ingredient for moisturizing and also softening the skin caviar and niacinamide which you will know is a really just great all round ingredient for a whole heap of different uh skin issues skin tone fine lines wrinkles dullness a weakened skin surface it's great for the pores um niacinamide is just an all-around good guy so that was my recommendation to her and she actually suggested that i share it on the show so that's what i'm doing if you also have a question That you would like answered, if you have maybe you're tossing up between a couple of different products, you can always feel free. There are so many ways you can get in touch. You can get in touch with me on Instagram. I am at lauren.kbeauty, or you can always come through onto the Style Story website, stylestory.com.au, and just pop your question in our contact form, and one of the team will get back to you. Uh, That is literally what we're here for. So don't be shy if you do have a burning question. All right so let's get into the nuts and bolts of decoding an ingredients list. Look I remember the first time that I sort of tried to start working out what was in my products and if you feel like you are looking at a foreign language you're not alone uh, and that's because sometimes you may actually be looking at a foreign language and that is because sometimes some ingredients are listed in their Latin name. So you are technically looking at a bit of a strange language. So ingredients are listed by what we call their inky names, I-N-C-I. And that is why there's a Western skincare brand at the moment calling themselves the inky list uh, with a slightly different spelling, but that's where they got that from. So they're basically riffing off an ingredients list. So look, I did not know a whole lot about skincare ingredients either when I started my skincare journey. And the reason that I now consider myself a little bit more knowledgeable on this is because we are obviously a company that imports cosmetics from Korea to Australia. And in order to do that, we need to actually comply with the Australian chemical and ingredients laws. And Australia has one of the strictest regimes in the world for imported cosmetics. It's not a place that has like a list of banned ingredients necessarily. So you go and just check everything off and okay, it's as long as it's not banned, you can bring it in. What you actually have to do is run through every single list and then check it off uh, against a whole raft of different legislation. So it's actually an extraordinarily time-consuming process. We need to learn what's in every single one of our products down to the last ingredient. We need to know its function in the formula and also how much is in the formula. We sometimes even need to know the extraction process used and the molecular structure of some of the ingredients So what that means is over the years, I have spent personally so much time just dissecting ingredients lists, uh, working really closely with the cosmetic companies that manufacture the products, obviously, and also their chemists. Because if the government agency that's in charge of this needs a little bit of extra information, oftentimes the brands and uh, we will have to go back to the manufacturer and ask them. Uh, So the average consumer just doesn't need to know uh, that much about their cosmetics in quite so much detail so i have picked up a lot of these just from literally reading uh, i i reckon at this point i would have read thousands of ingredients lists and that's just what's required um, to do this i know that not everyone does this uh not not all importers do this not not, not all of them tick all of these boxes when they do it Uh, but we do so that's how I have come to know so much about ingredients actually probably more than I would like to know sometimes I'm you know I'm not a chemist and sometimes when I'm discussing molecular structures with the manufacturers I'm just like oh my gosh for someone that didn't even do chemistry at high level in high school why am I doing this but suffice to say I've picked up a whole lot of uh, of tips and tricks, and so I'm going to share some of them with you. So the first thing that you need to know when you are reading a cosmetic ingredients list is that they are listed in their order of concentrations. So I see sometimes people say things like, oh, um, you know, Korean cosmetics lists can just be in any old order, and that's not entirely true. There are a couple of differences in how compounds are dealt with in uh, Korea as opposed to, say, in the States. And that's why sometimes they'll be listed in a slightly different order. But it is not accurate to say that Korean uh, ingredients, this can just be put in any old order. And I see some people kind of suggesting that. So that's not entirely true. So, look, this is how it works. And this is what the Australian regulations are. Uh, What you need to do is have them in the list of the highest ingredient to the lowest ingredient but the exception to this is any ingredients that make up less than one percent of the formula and they can be listed in any order the manufacturer likes with the exception of colorants which must come last. So basically your ingredients list will be listed in the order of the, the most uh, concentrated ingredient to the least concentrated. But when it gets to things that are under one percent, then you can kind of just have them in any order. And that's because, in general, anything under one percent, it's just not the bulk of the formula, so it's not as important. The Key takeaway as a consumer is that the first five or six ingredients obviously will make up the bulk of the formula. So when you're looking on the back of the product, the first five to six are going to be what's in it. But there are a whole lot more tips and tricks to just looking at the first five. So I will go into some of those. Now, don't be put off by the names. Obviously, as I mentioned, cosmetic ingredients are required to be listed by their inky names. And INCI, I-N-C-I, what that stands for is the International Nomenclature of Cosmetic Ingredients. So it's basically just a naming system for ingredients that uses their scientific names. And the key one that you'll see that have their scientific names on them are the plant ingredients. And that's because plants in the wild as well you know that they have a colloquial name sometimes and then they also have you know the genus the species all of that which usually is written in the latin version so things like centella asiatica which is cica that's how you'll see it appear on the back of an ingredients list. It will be listed as Centella Asiatica leaf extract or Centella Asiatica water or something like that. Uh, and that's why, you know, if you flip the product over to the front, it'll say contain Cica and then you look at the ingredients list and you're like, uh, where? Well, that's you're going to have to look for the Latin name for those kind of things. Aloe barbadensis, uh, which is aloe vera camellia sinensis which is green tea they're just some of the common latin names that you'll see particularly in k-beauty products Uh, so yeah sometimes they will have what it is in english in brackets so that's a little one that you can keep a lookout for but otherwise most brands that i see they will have picked out what they consider to be the star ingredients in the formula and they will have translated those so rather than saying this product contains camellia Sinensis, they'll say this product has green tea in it, so that's just one little trick to look out for. If you can't find the ingredient on the back, it could be because it's listed by its Latin name. Now, this is one of those myths that I see a whole lot, and that is that when you're interpreting an ingredients list, if you can't pronounce the name, then it must be bad for you, and I just think this is literally a load of crap because (laughs) obviously camellia sinensis is doesn't exactly roll off the tongue and maybe you might not be able to pronounce that but green tea is a great ingredient for the skin same with something like niacinamide that is a little bit of a mouthful but uh, again a good ingredient so that is just it has absolutely no correlation and no bearing I think that probably came about because people were like oh if it's you know, really hard to pronounce. It must be artificial. That's just not true. So you can safely ignore that one. Uh, And the other thing is, you know, the idea that natural ingredients must be better. So just two examples that I can give you of why that is just not at all the case. So on the one hand, you have an ingredient like citrus peel now that's a natural extract obviously it's a fruit and it can even be eaten but in some cosmetic formulas if depending on the percentage and what kind of formulation it's in if you put it on your face it can actually make your skin more sensitive to the sun Uh, and depending on the formula like really really quite sensitive so that's a natural ingredient that's not always going to have great results so that busts that one and then on the other hand you have something like hyaluronic acid which has acid in the name and if you didn't look any further than that and hadn't heard of the ingredient before you'd be like well obviously i'm not going to put an acid on my face but it's actually a humectant so quite misleading it's a water binding ingredient it attracts draws water to the skin it's an excellent moisturizer and has none of the properties of the other acids that we typically talk about like your AHAs, your alpha hydroxy acids, your BHAs, your beta hydroxy acids or your PHAs even. So it's a totally different class. So there definitely is a real art to reading an ingredients list, but that's just a couple of the ones that I often see is like the idea that natural is better if you can't pronounce it or if it looks scientific you can just throw those out. That is just not true. It's that it doesn't work like that. If only it was that simple, skincare would be a lot easier, but it's not. So after the break, I am going to run you through some of the things to look out for that you might want to know what they actually are if you see them in a cosmetics list. But first, let's go and have a look at some of the product reviews that have been left for Korean beauty products on the Style Story website. The first review was a four-star review, and this was for D'Alba Pierre Demont's first spray serum, and the reviewer said, loving it. This is the best serum so far. My skin is glowing all day. The second review was a five-star review for iUnique's Propolis Serum, and it says, I was hesitant at first, but after using the serum, all those hesitations left. I love this and how it's helped my skin. And the last review was a five-star review for Subi Brightening Powder Cleanser, and the reviewer said, my girlfriend bought me this cleanser and it's so easy to use. Little goes a long way, and it feels really nice and gentle on my face. I've been using it for a couple of months and can definitely see a difference in how my skin looks and feels, would highly recommend. So don't forget to leave your review on the Style Story website next time you're on there to earn points. And what you can do is you can actually redeem them for cash towards your next purchase, so that you pay less for your products. It helps others to discover new Katy Beauty products, and also you can be rewarded from it for it. So get reviewing. If you have some outstanding products in your last order that you haven't already reviewed, don't miss out on those sweet sweet reward points. Get onto the website and and leave your reviews, and we will. Credit the points to your account. All right, so on to some of the little tips and tricks, and obviously if you have sensitive skin, this is going to be of particular importance to you because you kind of need to know what you're looking at. Um, And one tool that can help you, and this is also just a really, really great tool if you are new to cosmetic ingredients lists, there's a whole lot of free online dictionaries of cosmetic ingredients these days. Uh, CosDNA is one of them. I think that stands for cosmetics DNA, which would make sense. And basically what they do is just explain to you the ingredient that you are looking at and what it kind of does. Now, some of these websites, you need to be a little bit more careful than others, Uh, you know, particularly when they're talking about giving a hazard score uh, or whether an ingredient is you know, uh, comedogenic and things like that, just because that doesn't have a fixed or defined meaning. Uh, And one of the rating systems that we talk about on this show, because it's so popular in K-beauty, is the EWG green grade rating system. So Korean beauty companies absolutely love this, but outside of Korea, it's not as popular. And that is because people are highly critical of the rating scheme that they use. So you will often, CK beauty brands trying to formulate to what they call the green grade standard. So the ingredients that come up as a green light as opposed to an orange or a red light. But here's why that standard is a little bit misleading. For example, you have an ingredient like retinol and that is a red ingredient. I think they give that a a rating of maybe 9 or 10. So really, really high. One, I guess, being green, green light, go ahead, it's safe to use. And as we all know, retinol has a whole lot Of uses, and it's a popular ingredient in a lot of different products. So, that kind of thing can be a little bit misleading. And then, if you've got a company that's only manufacturing to the green grade standard, they're going to miss out on a whole lot of ingredients that are in brackets irritating but have a legitimate purpose in a cosmetic formula. So, do take these with a grain of salt. However, as a base to describe to you the ingredient that you're looking at, I don't think that they're they're a bad tool to use, particularly. If you're new to this. Uh, so look, these are some common ingredients that you should at least know what they are in a cosmetic formula. So fragrances. If you see the word parfum on the ingredients list, then that means that the product contains fragrances. Now fragrances in the last couple of years, I feel like have gotten a really, really bad rap, but the research that I have read to date suggests that it In the general population of people using skincare products, an absolutely minuscule percentage of those will have a real and genuine fragrance allergy that causes problems to their skin. Now, obviously, I understand that there is a whole subset of other people that they just don't like their products to be fragranced. Uh, You know, it gives them a headache maybe, or they just don't enjoy it. But for the vast, vast majority of people, fragrances are fine, and it really should be one of the very last ingredients that you see, and that is nearly always the case. I know, even uh, you know, for some people, uh, I, I was one of the girls that reviewed one of our Jellico products, and she said, "Oh, the fragrance was so overwhelming." And you know that product contains literally zero point zero two percent of fragrance, which is basically nothing. It is an absolute trace amount, but that's the difference between some people just find any fragrance at all to be a no-go and then other people are like oh this is a very light delicate fragrance so this is so so personal uh but that is one to look out for on an ingredients list if you know for a fact a lot of people that I speak to say that they really enjoy products that have an appropriate amount of fragrance in it because it adds to the sensory experience and of course the corollary to having completely fragrance-free products is you will get this uh This is very personal as well. I would describe it as a slightly plasticky smell. Uh, A lot of completely unfragranced, Products don't have the best smell to them. And what you're smelling is not a fragrance, but it is the raw smell of the ingredients. So, that again is a personal smell, I guess, that you could say that puts some people off. So, that is an entirely personal preference. Some people like to at least cover that natural smell to the ingredients so it's not as overpowering. And then some people just cannot stand any fragrance at all. But Parfum is the one to look out for. And I think that's one most people are a little bit more familiar with. What you may be less familiar with is the essential oils. Now, essential oils are also often added as a fragrance, but because they are what we call in inverted commas natural fragrances, you will still often see some uh, companies say that the product it is unfragranced, and what they mean is it doesn't contain. Uh, synthetic fragrance. It contains natural. So things like lavender oil, peppermint oil, sage oil, rosemary oil, tea tree oil, these are all essential oils. Some people don't like them, some people love them, but that's just uh, a common class of ingredients to look out for. And of course, if you do have one of these in your product and the purpose of it is fragrance, then it does technically contain fragrance anyway. So just that's one to be uh, to take note of. Then you've got a class of ingredients called detergents. So these are things like sodium laurel sulfates. You've got your sodium laureth sulfate. You've got your cocamidopropyl betaine. So these are detergents um, that you will often see in cleansers. Now, look, if you have a cleansing product, you do need some sort of a d- detergent. But some of these, particularly what they call the SLS ones, so the sodium laurel and laureth sulfate can be a trigger to sensitive skin type so that's one to look out for if you know that you have a problem with skin sensitivity. Then Uh, The other things that you need to look out for are preservatives. Obviously, most Korean beauty products that I know of, I can't think of too many these days that are completely preservative free. And that is because we rely on our preservatives to preserve the product for longer and make it stable when it's on the shelf. But some people do have reactions to some common preservatives. uh, So it's just good to know which types of preservatives are being used in your products. Some to look out for if you do have skin sensitivities are things like your benzyl alcohols, uh phenoxyethanol, and then sodium hydroxymethyl glycinate. So Don't worry about writing these down. I will have them all on today's show notes, which will be on thekoreanbeautyshow.com. But that's just to, I guess, let you know a couple of different classes of ingredients that you will find in your cosmetic products. Obviously, every product is so different that, you know, this is a really, really long, complicated topic. So we're not going to be able to cover all of it in just half an hour. But I'm just going to run you through some of the things just to keep an eye on. When you are, you know, just perusing. I think not everyone wants to become an expert in cosmetic ingredients, and nor do you need to. Uh, but it's always good just to have a little bit of an idea of what you're looking at. So when it comes to the concentrations of the key ingredients, uh, you'll often hear people say things like, oh, it's worthless if it's at the end of the ingredients list or it's you know pretty useless if it's in the middle. And it just doesn't work like that. And the reason is because certain ingredients work at lower concentrations Uh, For example, niacinamide, it works very effectively even at 2 to 5%. So you will often not see that in the top five or six ingredients, and that does not mean that it's useless at all. Uh, It does. It is quite effective at those lower concentrations. Things like salicylic acid obviously uh, works at even a concentration below 2%, and retinol can be effective even in the 0.something percent. So that is just not uh, the best way to work it out. But it is true that the top five to six ingredients do make up the bulk of the formula but it just doesn't end there you can't tell just from those five or six whether the product is going to be a good product now another thing to take a note of and we did touch on this last week in our scary skincare special was Things like uh, claims like natural or clean, so unsubstantiated claims, those kind of things are not regulated a lot of the time, nor are terms like organic and hypoallergenic. And that one kind of surprises people. So obviously um, organic, there's a whole rating system that is not regulated at a government level and you can go and apply to have certain ingredients uh, certified as organic. But it's often not regulated at um, you know, the legislation level, so that is a one to look out for cosmetic companies in general are free to label their products as the, as organic or natural if they contain organic or natural ingredients, but obviously they might contain some others that aren't. Now, there are ways around uh, companies just completely making things up. There are obviously misleading and deceptive practice laws to stop that kind of thing. But I think the key thing is when it comes to claims like natural or clean, first, natural is definitely not always better. There are plenty Plenty of natural ingredients that are just not good for the skin. Uh, Things like lemon juice, baking soda can be very disruptive to the skin's natural pH level uh, depending on how they're being used. They can cause inflammation and barrier damage. The other thing is... Uh, we've spoken about this if a product is completely natural which is very rare these days meaning like free from preservatives it's going to go off really quickly which means you're either going to have to use it all up really quickly or you'll be throwing it out half full which would make me really mad if that was me but it's just not commonly a way that uh, products are made so you know people saying that oh this is a natural product like what does that even mean then Uh, so just be really a little bit cautious, raise a little bit of an eyebrow when you see terms like that, Uh, particularly clean beauty. I won't go into that again this week, but I have some pretty big problems with that, Uh, the way that that's marketed and the dichotomy that sets up between clean and unclean. I just don't like it Um, in cosmetics. I don't think it's accurate. Uh, So yeah, there are a whole lot of little tips and tricks to look out for when you are reading your ingredients list. And I know it can seem confronting, but I think particularly if you do have something like sensitivities or allergies, it can help you avoid making a purchase that doesn't work for you, which is really good. Uh, And the other thing that reading your ingredients list should tell you is whether the price point of a cosmetic is really worth it. So when I'm talking about this I'm talking about some of the really really expensive products that run into the you know 200 300 dollar mark you will often be surprised to find that they contain some really common fillers and ingredients like petroleum jelly lanolin and mineral oil which are just not that expensive so do keep a little bit of an eye out when you are into that really really high pricing point I mean cosmetic manufacturing in general is an art and it's not necessarily necessarily true that you know um, certain ingredients should make the product super super cheap and there are really really cheap brands out there and some people love them and some people go uh, formulation matters however when you're getting up into the really really high price brackets that's a good time to really be just taking a deeper look into the ingredients list and sort of saying, well, look, what's in here? Is that an expensive base ingredient? Like, what am I really paying for? Am I paying for the the container maybe? I mean, there's some beautiful containers out there these days. Maybe you're paying for the marketing. The company does a lot of marketing. So just a few tips and tricks to look out for. I would love to know, is this an area that you guys would like to hear more about or is this not Uh, of as much interest, come and let me know so that I can plan some more episodes for you. I've already received a whole list of really great suggestions, so I will be working to incorporate them into the show uh, going into the new year. I might try and get a couple in this year if I can, but I'm always open to your suggestions as well. Uh, I'm going to leave it here for this week. In the meantime, come and find me on Instagram or come and jump into the Facebook group and let let everyone know what you thought of it. We are at stylestory.au on Facebook. And until next week, I will see you on Style Story.